Hello and welcome back to the I'm Moving to Italy podcast. This is Nathan Heinrich and I would like to welcome you back to Season 4, Episode 16. Hello from the Prosecco Valley in the city of Conagliano in the region of Veneto, northern Italy. I am in our apartment, which is right downtown. And it's in between a busy road, which is right outside the balcony. And to be able to look out this window and see the castle up on the hill, and just for the light and everything, there was just only one place where my desk would just make sense going. And I didn't really stop and think it through about having a quiet place to record. So the days of quiet no background noise in my recordings may be over because there's a bus that just went by with squeaky brakes and there was a Vespa that just drove by that sounded like it was on its last legs sputtering by. And then behind the building is a train that goes right to the train station, just about a short five minute walk from here, which is one of the reasons why we chose this place. And so if you hear strange noises in the background, it's traffic on one side of me and trains on the other side of me. Now, I have to tell you, I grew up out in the country. I've shared that with you before. And the the most of the noises that I grew up around were the noises of farm equipment, tractors, harvesting equipment, and then, of course, animals and dogs and my eight siblings. (laughs) And my parents, who were pretty good at raising their voices from time to time to get our attention. But I've never in my life really lived in a city. In New York, I lived about 20 minutes outside of Manhattan on a quiet sort of suburb with a little forest and a stream. Uh, The closest thing I've ever lived in uh, to a city has been probably when we lived in the, the first place that we lived in here, when we were in Conagliana, we were renting a place for a while because we weren't sure what we were going to do. And that was about a, about a 10 minute walk from where we are now. That was a lot further outside the center of the city. This building is truly in the heart of the city. Directly across the street is a lovely park and I'm closer to the castle. I've got a little bit of a different route to get up to it, but I have to say I really, really am enjoying this. To be able to walk to your grocery store and just walk into the grocery store, carry you know your shopping bag with you, your reusable shopping bag with you, and to be able to buy some eggs and buy some vegetables or the, the daily, I should say the weekly market, because every city in Italy practically has a, and usually year-round, has a weekly market. The one that is in this city is on Fridays, and it is on one of the streets. It takes up like three different streets, but one of the main streets for the market is literally just right outside our building. And so everything is just right here. It's just within reach. If I want to go, if I don't want to make my own espresso, I want to go get a macchiato or an espresso or a cafe, I can literally walk across the street. The other day I was, by the way, it's so cold here. I'll get into that in a minute. But I was like, man, I need to buy 
a warm like hat to wear for for you know being outside so i don't freeze my ears and my head while i'm out walking and i was like where could i go and then i realized right below me in very italian style is a whole row of shops at the bottom of this building that we have our apartment in and there is a shop there that sells men's clothes and they have hats and gloves and everything for sale it's just so italian and it's so different and it's so i don't know it it's a whole different experience than when we lived kind of out more in the suburbs of the city in a an actual neighborhood this is like the heart of downtown in uh el, el centro uh oh listen you hear that <laughs> By the way, I'm not too far from the hospital. If I got really sick, I could drag myself to the hospital. But just about two blocks away is the beautiful hospital here that I visited before. And I've shared with you some of that experience when I went to get some blood work done. Anyway, what I'm trying to express is this feels different. This feels like a completely different experience, completely different Italian experience than what I've ever felt before. Rather than living in a villa with a whole bunch of other villas on the same street and, you know, having like going home to a villa. If you want something downtown, you would drive or you have to, you know, go for a long walk, but it was too far to like carry anything home with you. Because if you wanted to go grocery shopping, unless you were just picking up like, you know, something really small, carrying your bags of groceries for, you know, 15 minutes or, or, or even more from the grocery store just wasn't very feasible. So you have to drive in the car. This is different because I just, I just walk out and I can just pretty much not drive the car unless it's absolutely necessary. Anyway, so that's what's happening. That's where I am. I'm sitting on the second floor of this building. The balcony looks right out to the old part of the city. I can hear all the church bells ringing in, in about the three or four different churches that have bells in them. I can see the castle from White Rhyme sitting, and it's it's just city life in Italy, and it feels new and different. So I have this really horrible habit of not sleeping before a trip. I don't know why, but I just don't. And and oftentimes it's because I have such an early flight or I have to be heading to the airport so early, it's really difficult for me to go to bed and then get up really early and I just feel too scattered. And so sometimes I just don't, in fact, most of the time when I have an early flight, I just don't go to bed the night before. Now that is not a good a good thing. I'm not promoting that as a good idea. I'm just saying it's what usually happens. So I was flying out on Wednesday. So that means that on Tuesday, I didn't sleep on Tuesday, which means that the last time I slept was Monday night. So I didn't sleep Tuesday night. And then Wednesday morning, I took a shuttle that took me from 
Chattanooga up to Nashville. It was about a, an hour and a half. And then we hit some traffic, so I think it ended up taking us almost two hours. So at 7 a.m., I was on a shuttle driving me from Chattanooga to Nashville. And then my flight from Nashville was scheduled at like 10 o'clock in the morning. And I got on that flight, and man, there was some real (laughs) scary turbulence. But anyway, we made it to New York, no problem. When you're flying domestically, normally there's domestic terminals and then there's international terminals. So I immediately got off my flight in Terminal 8 of New York City at JFK Airport. I had never flown into Terminal 8 because I never have flown on Atlanta, I mean, excuse me, on American Airlines before. And so I got off my flight and immediately left the terminal to go to the sky train to go to my terminal. Anyway, so I, I'm looking at my ticket to see, okay, well, which terminal am I supposed to go to? <laughs> and I look at my thing and it's t- telling me terminal eight. I'm like, that can't be right. I just left terminal eight. And anyway, so like an absolute moron, I had just l- walked out of the terminal, which means to get back into the terminal, I would have to go through security. So anyway, I had like four hours until my flight was supposed to leave, but I'm sorry, but going through security at JFK Airport is just never pleasant. It's just not pleasant anywhere. You got to haul your bags through, and I didn't have a checked bag. I just had carry-ons, but you have to take your shoes off and your coat and empty your pockets and take all your electronic devices out, put them in their own tray. You know, it's just one of those hassles that adds a layer of stress. And so I was a a tired zombie at that point. So I'm like, fine. So I went back through security and went back in, found a nice little restaurant. It was a Terminal 8, by the way, I have to say, is a really lovely, nice, big, new, clean, state-of-the-art terminal in JFK Airport. And the terminals that I usually fly in and out of, like Terminal 4, Terminal 5, those are just not the very nice terminals, but this one's really nice. It's one of the newer ones. And so I sat there and had, a, you know, some food before I was going to get on my, my flight. I normally don't like to eat before I get on an airplane, but I had hours before I was going to get on the flight. So I'm like, okay, that'll give me some time to digest. I never eat on planes. I just never do. I'll drink sparkling water or, you know, coffee, something like that, but I just never ever eat on airplanes because I've I've read articles before that you just can't digest your food while you're sitting down on a plane. Our flight started to board. I got on the flight. Everything was on time. We're sitting there and we're getting they closed the doors and the flight is actually rather empty. I was like, wow, I'm going to, you know, we were able to, they were able to move everybody around. Oh, you know, you can go sit on that row. There's a whole empty row over there. And so anyway, everybody was all spread out and, and getting all settled in comfortably. And then the captain came on the the intercom and said, I'm sorry, folks, but we've got a little delay. We have some cargo that we're trying to get loaded that I'm hearing is delayed and we're having some trouble getting the cargo on the plane. As soon as we can figure that out, we'll we'll be on our way. That was a lie. (laughs) 
That was a bald-faced lie by the pilot. What happened, apparently, was that there was a connecting flight from North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, that had probably hit some of that same turbulence that we hit coming to New York, and they were delayed by about an hour. And so what happened was, we're all in our seats. We've all gotten moved around. We found more comfortable seating. We've sort of, some people have like laid out and fallen asleep. And like truly, like we've been sitting there for an hour with the doors of the plane closed. And then all of a sudden, people start coming on to the flight. Like a lot of people start coming onto the flight. And everybody is starting to have to move. And one of those people that had to move was me. So I had to move and then I had to move again. And and then I finally ended up back in my original seat and the, and the, the stewardess was like, I'm sorry. The flight attendant, she was like, I'm sorry, but you know, we didn't realize this was happening. So what I just wish that the that the captain had just said that the pilot of the of the flight had just been honest with us and told us, listen, guys, uh, we're expecting a, a whole group of people. <laughs> so anyway, the whole flight was in an uproar. People were frustrated. People were angry. Those people getting on the flight were stressed out. Anyway, it was kind of a disaster. And so two hours later, we finally were taxiing towards the runway, two hours later than we were supposed to be. Just in the same way that I'd never sleep before my flights, I also do not sleep on planes. So I sat up, of course, all night and watched movies and just sort of waited, watched the flight track fly over Canada and then out over the Atlantic and by the time we got to about where Greenland is, we were right off the coast of Greenland, the captain came back on the intercom and said, is there anyone, are, are there any doctors or any medical professionals on board? Now, I had never, you know, I've seen that happen in, on movies before. I've never been on a plane where that has happened before. And so then the next thing you know, there's people running up and down the aisles and with a whole bunch of medical gear, you know, the, there's, there's flight attendants running with bags that have medical insignias on them. And, and it's like they've got defibrillators and, and oxygen and all this stuff running to the back of the plane. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And so anyway, that actually happened twice where there was this sort of uh, scuffle of where somebody in the back of the plane had apparently passed out and they were trying to revive the person or I don't know if someone had a heart attack or a stroke but anyway that was an interesting thing to happen right as you're flying over Greenland anyway we eventually finally it felt like it took forever we were actually sitting on the plane for more than 10 hours so we land in Milan oh my gosh I was exhausted now Alessandro had given me real clear instructions on what I should do to get from Milan, from the Milan airport, into the city of Milan by taking what's called the Malpensa Express. Malpensa is the Milan airport, the Malpensa airport. And so I, of course, somehow messed that up and I took the, the Malpensa Express train from the airport to the wrong station in Milan. Now, I've been without sleep now for two days and I haven't really eaten anything for a while and it's freezing cold in Milan. And I'm like, 
not wearing warm enough clothes, and I find myself in this station that is not the correct station. I've been to this gigantic, beautiful train station in Milan before, the Centrale train station, and this was not it. So I went and asked, finally went and asked uh, a man for help. How do I get to, uh, I think it's La Centrale, or just maybe just called Centrale. How do I get to the Centrale train station? And he told me, okay, you got to go down. Uh, by the way, I found myself in the metro. So I was right next to the metro, uh, the underground. And so like, he's like, okay, you got to go, you know, buy a ticket. It was like a two euro ticket to take the metro to a couple stops away. Well, of course, I got on the wrong train line going the wrong direction. There were three different trains. There's three different train lines. There's like a green, a red, and a blue train. And I got on the wrong one. I had to get off, buy another ticket, get off again, and finally made it to Centrale, where I was able to buy a ticket to Venice and then a second ticket to connect from Venice to Conegliano. And that was supposed to leave in about, I think it was, it was only about 45 minutes. So I went over and I checked the train schedule to see which track, finally I was able to see which track the train was leaving from. And I hopped on the train and I promptly sit down. I bought a premium cabin ticket and so I sit down in a lovely spot and I immediately realize uh, when people start getting on the train behind me that I am in the wrong car. And I forgot to look at the train, like my ticket, to see which car I was supposed to be in. And I didn't, I didn't select my seat, so I didn't need to select a seat. So I didn't realize that I had to not only be in a specific car, I know this sounds so absurd that I don't know this, or I was just maybe so tired because I kind of did remember it, but I just forgot. I just hopped on the train. I knew I was on the right train. I sat down at a little seat by a window with a table and I thought, oh, I'm finally here. Put my bags up. And this lovely Japanese woman comes on and she's like, um, excuse me, that is my seat, sir. And so I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And so anyway, I get my bags and I go to car number four. And this lovely young lady who's uh, one of the train attendants, she she said, yeah, just go to, to car number four and, and find a seat. And you don't have to be in any specific seat. You can sit wherever you want. So anyway, I did that. Finally, I'm sitting on the train at about one o'clock in the afternoon. The train pulls out of the station, heading towards Venice. And I was listening to an audiobook, and I'm looking at the beautiful countryside of the Lombardy region roll by. And as we go into Veneto, I mean, I'm going through really iconic cities. So I start in Milan, and then I go through cities like Padova and Verona. And then I'm sort of getting distracted by the audiobook that I'm listening to. I'm listening to an audiobook about the Vanderbilts. I had just listened to Anderson Cooper's book about his his family, the Vanderbilt family. And then he recommended another book that was written by one of his Vanderbilt Relatives, which is called The Glitter and the Gold by Consuelo Vanderbilt, which was a really interesting book. And so anyway, I'm really engrossed in this book. 
and I forget that I'm supposed to get off at the train station that is before you cross over the lagoon to go into Venice, the, the actual downtown Venice train station in the city, uh, the heart of Venice, which, you know, is the, the Santa Lucia train station. I was supposed to get off in Venice uh, Mistral, I think it's called, train station. Well, I was so engrossed in my book, I forgot. I wasn't paying attention, and I look out, and oh my gosh, I'm on the train going over the lagoon, and that means I'm going to be going, first, first of all, I'm going further than what my ticket has been paid for, and now how am I going to get on the correct train to go to Conagliano? <sighs> you can only imagine how tired I am by this point. And so I get my bags. I get off the train in Santa Lucia. I run over to the big, you know, the big train schedule board. And I see that there is a train going to Conagliano just over on track 11. So I run over. I hop on that train. And about 10 minutes later, it leaves. And I'm thinking, oh, please don't come and check my ticket because I know I haven't paid for this leg of the track. You know, I mean, if, if somebody came over and asked me, I would have just paid extra, had them add on to my ticket. But fortunately, nobody came to check my ticket. And we made it back to the station. And then from that station, we continued on to Conagliano. So, oh my goodness, I get off the train finally in Conagliano. It's almost nighttime. So it's been over two full days of traveling and almost three days without any sleep. And I am just, I'm exhausted. I get off the train in Conagliano and I am able to just walk to our apartment downtown. And I'm so grateful how close it was. Alessandro's mom met me and she had the keys to our car which were parked down below in the building. And, and so she gave me the keys to the car and said hello and... And she knew how tired I was, so she said, you know, I'll talk to you tomorrow. And I turned the heat on when I walked in, and I just put my bags in the bedroom and just went straight to sleep after taking a nice long bath. I slept so soundly, but I went to bed around 7 o'clock in the evening, and so when I woke up, I checked the time, and it was 4 o'clock in the morning. So ever since then... I have been waking up every morning that I've been here at 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning, and I start getting really tired around 7 or 8 o'clock at night. I start just falling asleep. So I'm not on the best schedule. I was talking to Vera, and she was mentioning that she sort of said, you know, it's really hard. Traveling to the United States is not so difficult from Italy, but it's a really hard transition to come back to Italy from the United States, and I'd kind of forgotten that. And I have to say, I'm finding that to be true. But I'm so happy to be here that I, I don't feel like it's so terrible. And I really allowed myself a good three days to kind of get settled in, go to the grocery store. And I had to drive my mother-in-law a couple different places. She needed to go look at a house. She's currently shopping for a villa. And so I also took Alessandro's aunt and grandmother to the hair salon, because none of the women in this family drive, by the way. None of them have driver's license. <laughs> and you might say, how can they possibly survive without driver's license? Well, because uh, they just, they live in the downtown area of these cities and they can get everywhere they need to go. Alessandro's 
aunt is married and she and uh, so Alessandro's uncle drives and if if she ever needs to go somewhere he'll take her but I think that's a very sort of old school Italian thing for women not to get driver's license especially if they live in cities and sometimes men don't have driver's license either if they live in a city they just never needed one that's one of the things you can get away with, kind of like in New York City. A lot of people in New York City don't have driver's license and don't have cars because they don't need to. They can take public transportation everywhere and they can walk everywhere and or ride a bike. And so it's very, very convenient in big, big cities. You can get away with it. And these are women who grew up in and lived in Naples. And Naples is one of those cities that has really great public transportation. You don't need to drive. You don't even need a car. And so anyway, I am kind of the go-to chauffeur because we have a car and we drive. And so anyway, I also kind of really enjoy, I know that might sound silly, but I kind of love that they, if they need to go somewhere, they know they can call me. And so I've taken them on several errands since I've been back. And it is <laughs> Alessandro's family. Oh, I love them so much. They're, they're such lovely people. They're such characters, too. I mean, not never a dull moment with any of them. And the thing that I'm loving the most right now... <laughs> is the fact that they speak to me in rapid-fire Italian without hardly taking a breath. They don't ask me any questions, which I love, because I don't want to have to try to figure out what they're saying and then answer in Italian. So I just listen. Now, I can understand everything they're saying, and I respond by, you know, doing my regular responses. Ah, ho capito, ho capito. Ah, certo, certo. Ah, si, si, si. Ah, interessante. <laughs> I just do that, and I am a very active listener, and they just talk, 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 but it is really, really helpful. And so if I, I don't understand a word that they've been using, I'll go and look it up, and that's really helpful. So I've been like, it's been like crash course Italian since I've got here, and I have to say I'm speaking more Italian than, I'm, than I've ever spoken, because Alessandro's not here. I, I kind of didn't realize. I guess I realized in theory, but I didn't realize how much, really, I relied on Alessandro to translate for me. And it's been such a good experience for me to do everything alone. And it's really forcing me. And, and I'm finding that there are words buried in my mind I didn't even realize I had access to some of these vocabulary words that just pop out of my mouth without me even realizing it. And the other day, something that was interesting, uh, when I was on my way to the, the local grocery store here in the downtown area, the really tiny grocery store that's really, really cute and I love it, I was getting ready to go to the grocery store to get some eggs and some things. And all of a sudden, out on the street, right in front of the building, a whole bunch of cars just start honking. And it sounds like there's like a huge, maybe like traffic jam out there and everybody's honking their horns angrily. Well, I walked out of the kitchen door onto the balcony and I looked down and all this, I mean, the entire, the entire like two lane road 
is back-to-back cars and people are jumping out of their cars and waving flags. It's like, I realized it wasn't a traffic jam and these people weren't, people weren't angry. They were celebrating and everybody was celebrating. They're waving these red flags that have like a star on them. And I'm like, what is that? What is that flag? I recognize that flag, but like, I don't know. It's not coming to me what flag that is. Well, so of course I had to text Vera and I'm like, what's going on, Vera? Did somebody win like a, a soccer game or something? And because I know Vera knows everything about what's going on in Italy and her husband watches the World Cup and soccer and so, or of course, as we call it here in Italy, football. So I said, what's going on? Did somebody win a game or something? And like, what happened? She's like, oh yes. She's like, Morocco just won a game and now they are the first African nation to be in the semifinals of the World Cup. Now, I'm hopeless when it comes to sports of any kind, but I'm even more hopeless when it comes to soccer or football, you know, because I just don't watch sports and I certainly don't watch soccer. I find it to be like the equivalent of watching paint dry when you can watch a game for hours and they don't even score more than one or two points in the entire game, I just can't handle it. But I know that the rest of the world loves soccer. And so what happened was these were all, these people in these cars outside the house that were honking their horns and waving these flags, these were Moroccans who live in Italy. They're throwing firecrackers, they're they're lighting in the middle of the street, they're lighting fireworks, and it was quite a chaos. Uh, I was kind of entertained by it, and I've got, I of course captured that surrounding sound to share with you guys at the end of this episode. But I walk out, and I'm noticing that the Italians in the city are not thrilled by what's going on. In fact, they're quite the opposite. They're quite perturbed at their city, their lovely, quiet, prim and proper northern Italian city has just been turned into an absolute madhouse of people who are not Italians celebrating very loudly and very raucously all over the city and really making kind of a scene. And I walk past so many of the Italians I walk past, I hear muttering things under their breath like, Mamma mia, or, uh, you know, Dio mio or whatever. And so it was just kind of funny. So of course I I went grocery shopping and got what I needed and I walk out and they're still downtown in in the the center square of the city. They're like blocking traffic and they're they're just going crazy with the fireworks and firecrackers. And it's it's pretty chaotic. And anyway, I turn around, I'm walking back and and I had this moment. It was this really interesting moment. I'm walking past these shops and I come up to this woman who she's standing outside her shop. She has a, a very fine women's clothing shop. Now, this city has a lot of money and there's a lot of really elegant shops with really, really elegant clothing in the windows. Really just beautiful Italian clothing. And the shops are very prim and proper and just immaculate and beautifully displayed. The lights in the windows are just, anyway, just imagine just really gorgeous shop windows. And the owner of the shop, or at least the woman who was managing the shop, she's standing outside her shop with her arms crossed and she's just got this look on her face, just absolute disgusted look on her face. Now, I don't know, maybe it's my 
sort of <laughs> maybe it's my my sort of the troublemaker in me or loving to pour a little bit of fuel on a, a fire that's already started or, or just I don't know I was just feeling a little bit mischievous as I walked up past this woman and so I just it came to my mind that 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 a word that I've heard before to describe chaos is the word casino so as I'm walking sort of right as I'm preparing to walk past this woman I make eye contact with her I'm carrying my grocery bags and I say casino like can you believe what a what a chaos this is and she says to me without skipping a beat no no parole which means I don't have words and it was just one of those moments of course I didn't care at all that those Moroccan people were having such a wild celebration I've seen Italians in this city when they won the World Cup I have seen them absolutely lose their mind Maybe it wasn't a World Cup. I don't know. But there there was a major game. And the Italians, and I, I shared it with you in the past. And the Italians had took over the city. And they were celebrating with the Italian flags going crazy, climbing lamp posts. I mean, it was absolute chaos. But it was Italians doing it. This time, it was being done by, I guess the only word is, you know, foreigners or immigrants. And I don't think that Italians are racist, but I think humans are just tribalist by nature. Anyway, the point is I did not was not bothered in the least by these Moroccan people going nuts and celebrating this what to them was a very important win and obviously something that was making them feel very proud. But that moment with that Italian shopkeeper, that woman who was standing out and I said, casino, and she says, no, no, parole. It was one of those moments where I felt a little bit more Italian than I than I usually do. I didn't feel like, you know, she saw me as an American or a foreigner. She spoke to me. I spoke to her in Italian. She spoke to me in Italian. There was no confusion about what we were talking about. It was just like one of those little moments. It was those, kind of those magical little moments that I just kind of loved. I sort of like was had a smile on my face the whole way home because it was one of those just unexpected split-second interactions. It took, you know, the whole interaction took just seconds. But anyway, it made me feel uh, very much like a local here in this in this village and and it was interesting so um i have had a major headache for the last couple days and apparently there's such a thing as a cold weather headache i've never heard of that before but the weather here is so cold and i finally was like you know what is it could possibly be giving me this headache i never get headaches and i drink a lot of water so i'm always hydrated because i know that's a huge contributor to having a headache and i know i knew i wasn't dehydrated and i know it's really common of course to get dehydrated during the winter but i drink a lot of water anyway so alessandro finally was like you need to go get some of this italian medicine and i hate taking medicine but he finally convinced me to go to a local pharmacy and get this medicine that's called tachyparina and it's basically the equivalent of like Tylenol and so anyway I took two of those earlier today of course my headache is gone I'm sort of rolling my eyes because of course Alessandro is always right 
And so anyway, one of these days uh, in one of my segments with Vera, I'm going to have her talk about the different types of Italian medicines because I think that's a really helpful thing to know what the equivalent medicine is in Italy to the United States. And some of the medicines are not the same, and some of them are really interesting and really good here that we don't even seem to have in the United States. We'll do that in the future. But one thing that you can remember is tachyparina is like a fever reducer, an inflammation reducer, and it helps with like headaches and sort of cold and flu symptoms. So anyway, I took that and I'm feeling much better. I've been sneezing, uh, just just trying to adjust. Just your, your system really goes through a major reset. It was 70 degrees and sort of humid and, and just so nice. You could be outside with just, a, you know, a T-shirt almost, a long sleeve shirt in Tennessee the day that I left. And I arrived here and it's like below freezing in the 20s in Fahrenheit. It's zero degrees here uh, if you're talking in Celsius. So it's, I went from like, you know, like in the 20s Celsius in Tennessee to zero degrees. Or if you're talking in Fahrenheit, I went from 70 degrees to 20 degrees. So it was like a 50 degree difference in, in Fahrenheit, difference in a drop in temperature which is a lot and and it's just anyway just something that i kind of always forget that you're going to have to sort of readapt to the food the weather and sleep schedules and just everything everything you know there's probably also allergens out in the air that are making me sneeze and so i've got kind of if you hear me kind of having a stuffy bit of a stuffy nose that's why i've been like literally back to back coughing, sneezing fits all day. Finally, they're under control. And it's probably because of those two tachyperina pills that I took that Alessandro insisted that I take. So anyway, that's kind of my update. I'm back in Italy and I'm loving it. I get to start writing the real news from Italy again and sharing that with you every week. I'm looking forward to that. And I'm just looking forward to some really good interviews for the podcast coming up. And of course, Vera has a really, really great topic prepared. I'm not even going to tell you what it is, but I'll let you listen and she'll tell you in just a moment. I'm so happy to be back in Italy recording. It feels like home, but it feels like a new version of home. And I've got so many exciting things to share with you. And and this is going to be a really, really interesting chapter. In a future episode, I'm going to talk to you about what it means to me to be here by myself and and what I'm going to use this period that I really kind of see as a gift of this, this the, the gift of being alone. I know that might sound strange, but to be alone somewhere with literally no one. I haven't lived truly alone for months and months at a time for years. And so it's going to be a really, really good experience. And I'm looking forward to it. And I think it's going to be really healthy. Yes, I, I do find it difficult to be separated from Alessandro. Uh, makes me a little bit, a little bit melancholy. But at the same time, we also talk on the phone, and and we're FaceTiming all the time. And so it's you know it doesn't really feel like we're that far apart. So that's all good. All right. Well, let's get into 
Vera's segment and her wonderful, wonderful topic for the day. So here is La Vera Italia. Ciao, Vera. Welcome back to another segment of La Vera Italia. Ciao e bentornato. Grazie mille. How was your trip? Did you make it this time? <laughs> yes, I'm I'm officially back in Italy. It feels so good to be back. I'm just starting to get settled in. My sleep is still pretty messed up, but oh man, it feels so good to be back. Finally in Italy. Yeah, I know. Where where I belong. <laughs> no, it's it's so nice to be back and I'm I love, it's also really nice when we record because we're on the same time zone. So we don't have to record. You don't have to record so late at night. And then I'm recording in the afternoon. It's so much more convenient. It feels like we're neighbors instead of like people across the ocean from each other. Yeah, we are neighbors, but you look kind of sleepy for the three o'clock p.m. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's because I just woke up from a nap because I've been waking up at four o'clock in the morning. So, you know. Yeah, especially when you're traveling from the United States to Italy, to Europe. So from west to east, I think it's yeah. worse. I mean, at least for me, it is worse. It's easier to adapt to the new time when you move from east to west. I completely agree with that. I have found that exact same thing to be true. And I'm sure there's an exact reason <laughs> if you were going to break it down at the technical, technical level. I don't really know if I can do that, but yeah, there's, there's like, I completely agree with that. Well, do you have an Italian question for me today? Of course I do. Now I know you just got here from the States, but di solito, quando fai l'albero di Natale? E quest'anno l'hai già fatto? Okay, repetere per favore. <laughs> di solito. Quando fai l'albero di Natale e quest'anno l'hai già fatto? Okay, I think you just asked me, when do you normally decorate your Christmas tree and have you already done it for this yeah. year? All right, let's see if I can respond in Italian. Noi facciamo un arbole di Natale, arbole di Natale in Stati Uniti, mm -hmm. però in Italia non fa. Non fai l'albero di Natale in Italia. No. Fai il presepe? Sì, io ho un natività. Presepe, presepe. Presepe. That's how we call it in Italian, presepe. Okay, so the nativity scene. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, we actually have um, Alessandro's grandparents' nativity scene, which is quite huge wow. in the other room. How about you? Have you already put your Christmas tree up for the year, Vera? Of course I have. On the only day you're allowed to do that in Italy, that is December 8th. <laughs> I know yes. Alessandro told you that yes. in interviews. So traditionally, that's when Italians decorate their Christmas trees or nativity scenes or the presepe or whatever we do. But it took me two days. So the 8th and the 9th. Okay, that's fair enough. You yeah. started on the 8th, though. Yeah, and I had it the day after that. And yes, I have a Christmas tree, a real one, because I like real ones. It smells so good. Absolutely. 
And I have a oh, small yeah. nativity scene. Amazing. Vera, you had a topic today that is so interesting. Go ahead, introduce our topic, Vera. It's how to decide where you should live in Italy. Because you've all decided you're moving to Italy sooner or later, but where? Because it's not an easy decision. Online, you can find all sorts of rankings with the most livable cities and uh, countries in the world, of course, or cities within Italy. And you can find the best city for retired people, for, you know, professionals, business, students, and youth, and much, much more. And then there are all rankings for best quality of life, green areas, and much more. But what does most livable city mean to you? I mean, I think it depends on the life you lead, like you as a person. So a city that could be, or an area that could be the best area for me, it's not the best area for you, obviously. And it's something that really changes depending on who we are talking to. So if you're moving to Italy and you're listening to this podcast, probably chances are you're not coming, you're looking for a job, for example, maybe you're retired already, or you can work remotely. So keep working in your native country, but living here in Italy. So to you, the fact that in Italy, there are some areas with a higher unemployment rate, it's not a problem. I mean, you have your own job or you are retired already, so you don't care about that. Or there are areas where salaries are a little bit higher or lower. And once again, it's not something you care about. Or maybe the other way around. You come here because you really want to become an Italian and you want to work here. So you have to look at these uh, parameters and decide accordingly. But those are things that you can, of course, find all these rankings and numbers and percentages, but then everything changes. I mean, I've seen several times my city like Como, on Lake Como, of course, ranking very, very high on those rankings. And I'm like, oh, are you serious about that? Because people who live there might think, have a different opinion on that city. So the actual thing to consider is what kind of life are you going to live in Italy? So that's the first thing you have to keep in mind, what you're going to do here. How are you going to spend your days? And then, of course, even though Italy is a relatively small country, I did some research here for our friends from the United States, and I found out that Italy is almost the same size as which American state? Do you know that? The state of Arizona. Yeah, but it is. I double checked. We are actually between Arizona and New Mexico. That's our size right there between the two. Italy is like 75% of California. And so we're actually like Arizona or New Mexico. So small states. I mean, not the smallest, but still pretty small states. And Italy is a whole country, it's a whole nation. And it's very, very small, but it's so different. It's like if you're driving from up north to the very, very south, 
you're like time traveling or something because the landscape changes so much. So we have, geographically speaking, of course, we have the Alps in the north, right, from east to west, with some of the highest mountains in Europe. And then we have all the area with the lakes, some mountains and lakes like Lake Como, Lake Garda, Lake Maggiore. Those are all very famous. And then we have the Po Valley. So all the way from Turin to Venice, you know that one, right? And it's all flat and a lot of fields there, a lot of agriculture going on. And then the actual peninsula part starts. So it's all surrounded by the Mediterranean Sea. So you have the effect of the sea on the climate also. But there's also another mountain range that goes from, let's say, from Liguria. So uh, uh, where the sea starts in the northern um, west part of Italy, all the way down to Calabria. So the point of the Italian boot, right? And Sicily, a part is in Sicily. So you have pretty high mountains there too. And some snow in Abruzzo, especially. So that's in the center south. In Italian, that second range of mountains. Appennini, Appennini. The English version of that would be at the Apennines. Yeah, probably the Apennines. Yeah. I'm from Lake Como, from the northern part, so I used to go skiing there, and the Alps are just the best, of course, for skiing and such. There are a few ski areas, even on the Apennini, but it would take me like 10 hours drive to get there, and I have the Alps just like one hour drive, and I'm on the best mountain, so no, I haven't, but they are beautiful. They are not as high as the Alps, but they're beautiful. And there are a lot of trekking trails that you can take and walk through the woods. And there are famous, uh, like endangered animals that are still there, like wolves and bears. And it's really wild and beautiful. So we have everything, Nathan. We have the Alps, the Apennini. We have islands, volcanoes and rolling hills and lakes. What do you like the best? That's that's the first thing you have to ask yourself when looking for a property in Italy or an area where you want to move. So I think what my heart is drawn towards are the hills and maybe like a farm somewhere in Italy, because mm -hmm. that's kind of what's in my blood. Love it. I'll come and visit your farm. Well, you better. <laughs> uh, but I, it's probably not too different from where you're living at the moment. Yeah, I live on the rolling hills of Tuscany, not far from Siena. Uh, and I decided to move here from the Lake Como area because I love this. And I couldn't stand traffic and the busy life in the north. So I just decided to move here. And I mean, I know Lake Como is so famous and so beautiful, and it is. But for me, too much traffic and too much people. Can I say that? It's just so crowded there. And I couldn't stand it. I needed to breathe. I needed to see some, but then you know what? I found out that, for example, I moved here because I love the silence. When I'm at home, I want total silence around me. I know, kind of a lone wolf here. I don't have it because, for example, there's a soccer field. It's Four, well, three, three kilometers from here. 
and I can hear them shouting because there's nothing in between, no factories, no cars, nothing. And they, I can hear, go! I mean, it's not that it's disturbing, but I was so, I'm like, I can hear tractors that are one kilometer, two kilometers away. And that's just crazy because in the city, you can't even hear your neighbors because you have all this white noise that is not white at all, but all this noise just there all the time. And you would never believe that human ears are able to catch a sound that comes from so far away. But here you can. So you see, I found that out the hard way. So you've also, since you moved to Tuscany, you've also had to adapt to the the different weather that you have in Tuscany compared to the region that you're from, which is Lombardia. Yeah, I moved like 300 kilometers south. So I thought, oh, wow, it's going to be so warm in winter. And I mean, not hot, but still pretty nice and cozy. I've been freezing here. (laughs) It's like freezing cold, not because it's colder than in Lombardia, but it's more windy and I'm not used to the wind. So it just really gets into me. And especially the first couple of years, they were really hard. And then houses, houses are built differently here. I live in a natural stone house, the typical Tuscan. I mean, it's small, but it's one of the typical Tuscan houses with a stone. And it's just so humid inside. The walls, even inside, sometimes are kind of wet because of, you know, I'm in the countryside and it's very humid. You have the mist, you have eyes in the morning and the wind just blows through the stones and gets into the house. So basically when I lived in the Milan and Lake Como area, even for winter, I just had t-shirts and just a sweater, a light sweater, because everywhere there, the heating is so hot everywhere. And when you go to a restaurant, you just wear a tank top in December and I moved here and I didn't have any clothes to wear because I was freezing restaurants and houses. It's like they don't want to use that much heating. And I'm not just talking about the past few years or the last year um, with this inflation. But in general, they are more, yeah, probably they're closer to nature. I call them farmers in a good way, I mean. And it's like, of course, it's summer, it's hot. It's winter, it's cold. Just live with it. (laughs) While I'm more of a, okay, I want my heating on. And now this year, also my air conditioning because I couldn't stand the heat anymore. So it it is different. And one thing that... (laughs) That was my cat, Sorry. It was an Italian meow, meow. Right. <laughs> yes, he was definitely speaking Italian. I could definitely hear, I could hear the accent. <laughs> now, what is your cat's name? Just so we can give a shout out to your kitty. It's actually Rudolf, like the red-nosed reindeer. <laughs> Not a very Italian name, but. <laughs> right, maybe we'll call him Rudolfo. Rudolfo, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so oftentimes, foreigners or tourists come here in winter or even fall and spring and they think it's always warm and hot well it's not italy has a whole range of different climates from north to south and we do have seasons and it's not like 
o sole mio all the time, you know, the famous song about the sun. Obviously, it's a Mediterranean country. It's pretty warm compared to um, other European nations like above northern of the Alps. But we have uh, the Mediterranean Sea that helps keeping the temperature like not that bad in winter. But then we have the cold air from the Balkans that gets here. So especially the eastern part of Italy can have very strong and cold winds. And it actually snows a lot, even in the southern part of Italy, but the eastern part, because the Apennini range divide Italy vertically, right? So the cold air from Russia and the Balkans just goes there and it snows a lot in Abruzzo, Puglia, even northern Puglia, yeah, and Molise in those areas. You get way more snow than in Tuscany, for example, even though Tuscany is more center towards the north because it's on the opposite side of the uh, Apennini. So you see, it's it varies a lot and it's not always warm. It's not always hot. In the north, you have pretty hot summers, but it rains quite a bit more, something that I like. So if you like green leaves, lush forests, then the north is definitely for you. Uh, what if you don't want to see a single cloud, then Sicily or Calabria, so the very, very south, it's the sun is always shining. Now, obviously, you have the not so bright side of it, because in the north, you have um, a beautiful summer when you can, maybe it's hot, but this green and this forest give the idea of fresh that you can get. Uh, there are rivers and waterfalls, so it's good. But in winter, it can be kind of sad because all the trees uh, lose their leaves. And so it's really just the, the trunk and the dead branches. So it can be kind of eerie atmosphere. While in the south and the center, also it's the Mediterranean area, it's green all the time. But it's a kind of dry green. You know what I mean? We have pine trees and olive trees and oaks. So their leaves are not so tender and you know, fresh green like in the north, but you have the same green all year round. So once again, it depends on what you like the best. Visit with a different eye, not like the tourist eye, but the, okay, I'm gonna be living here. I'm going to spend my days doing this and that. So that helps. That helps a lot because you're not on, you, you won't be on holiday. You will have to do life. And maybe you don't want to do that if it's crazy cold or crazy hot. So what are some of the other factors that we should be considering, Vera? Well, let's start with the other obvious one, which is food. You go to an Italian restaurant, right? I mean, abroad, wherever you live, because Italian restaurants are the best. Italian food is famous all over the world. But when you get to Italy, you'll find out that Italian food doesn't even exist as a category. I mean, we have thousands of different dishes and regional dishes, because once again, you can't have the same traditional recipes on the Alps 
or in Stromboli, the volcano island in Sicily, right? We have totally a totally different um, cuisine, but also totally different traditions and architecture and art all over Italy because we have a very long history and we were invaded many different times through the centuries. And let's say just to simplify things that in the South, you had the Arabs, the Greeks and the Spanish. When in the Northern part, uh, we had the French and the Austrians and people from Northern Europe invading that area back in the past. So basically what happens is that in Sicily, you have couscous and hummus as traditional recipes, while in Northern Italy, you have uh, things that are more similar to German food, for example, uh, or French food, even if I'm saying this right now and just forget about it because Italian food and French food are totally different and Italian is the best. You know, they are they are our enemies. Just kidding. So, anyway, so it's also so different. So it depends if you like fish, then southern Italy, of course, is the best. Um, but I would even say Liguria. So all the part that is actually a peninsula. If you prefer meat, that kind of food, meat, risotto, um, mushrooms or things like that, truffles, then it's Piedmont. Mm -hmm. That's where the best meat and the best truffles are. If you love your pastas and your <clears throat> tortellini and ravioli, so all the kind of first courses, first dishes, then it's Emilia-Romagna where they invented bolognese. Mm -hmm. We don't call it bolognese, but you know what I mean, the ragu, right? So even that, <clears throat> it's a very important factor to consider because those are the reasons why you want to move to Italy, right? It's beautiful, good weather, and good food. And so everything is so different, not only food, but also the architecture, the way cities were built. Like in the north, uh, I'm talking about historical centers right now, uh, cities uh, usually have like a Roman uh, plan project. I mean, uh, all the roads are in um, parallel roads, uh, while in the center and the south, you have more of a medieval later. So they're kind of uh, circles, one inside of the other. So they're slightly different. And the color of the houses is different. In the north, you have more Stucco, of course. So you have all this beautiful, well, I don't know if you've seen pictures of the Cinque Terre, for example, with these beautiful houses, different colors. Or in Venice, I'm sure you've seen that, like Burano, you have all these colorful houses, stucco houses. Uh, in the north, you have a lot of natural stone houses, but they're darker with black roofs. While in the center, you have kind of a lighter gray natural stone. And in the south, everything is lighter, much lighter. And we even have traditional homes like the Trulli in Puglia. Those are kind of wide, small houses, uh, dwellings almost. And now they're all the fashion, but they're really beautiful and traditional. Or you have farms in Sicily where white is predominant like in Greece or Northern Africa, 
because the climate is so different. You see, from a black roof in the northern part of Italy, because you need to get as much sun as you can to heat your house. We are talking about traditional architecture here, so I'm talking about the past, but it's still there. Down to the Trulli or the Masserie with the white Greek slash African architecture. And buildings like churches are so different. If you think about the Duomo in Milan, it's like this Gothic cathedral. And then you have different ones in the south and the center. So even that, because it will be part of your daily life. What do you like the best? Because the natural stone, like in the central part of Italy where I live, it's amazing and beautiful when it's sunny. But when it's raining, it gets kind of sad. It's like rain, it's not made for this place or this place is not made for rain. When in the north, it's even better when it's kind of gray and dark because it just complements. You see the architecture complements the weather. And that white in the south is beautiful, so bright. But maybe it could be too much if you're not used to it because you can't even keep your eyes open all summer because of the sun and all this white. And so basically in the southern part of Italy, you spend most of the day indoor. So once again, you should really think of what you like and not just for a short holiday. Just think of that for the rest of your life. You're never going to see rain again or snow or you're never experiencing the scorching sun where you really want that tremendous heat because you really love it. So it depends. What are you looking for? But now it's not only architecture or climate or the geography of Italy that is different. Also people are different. Because like I was saying for architecture, we come from different cultures. Uh, the Northern Italians are part from Germany, Austria, and France, and the South are originally, you know, they have ancestors from the Arab world or Spain or even Greece. So obviously we look different, if you look at us, and we act different. It's like having, I would say, three different countries because Italy can be divided into three macro areas. So il nord, il centro, e il sud, the north, the center, and the south. That's, that's how we say it. And the two major islands, so Sicilia and Sardegna, are considered uh, insular Italian, but so there will be a fourth part but actually Sicily is the south and Sardinia is sort of in between the center and the south. So basically three areas with different traditions, different architecture, different cultures, different food, different accents, mm -hmm. if you're learning Italian, so different dialects. And it's like, I don't know if you remember Goldilocks and the three bears fairy tale. <laughs> Like exactly like that, Goldilocks. I think, and that's my personal opinion, if you want to find real Italy, it's the center. It's just not too hot, not too cold. 
And I'm not only talking about the weather here. I'm talking about people also. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, they're considered warmer in the south and colder in the north. Um, and then the center is not too, there's not too much frenzy. It's not too chaotic, but it's not too... There's not too much immobilism. That's kind of a problem in the South. Nothing ever changes. It's all still. And we, we don't, I mean, I don't like that. Particularly, there are not too many rules like in the North, but not even too few like in the South. It's just the good balance. That's, that's what I personally think. And even historically speaking, Central Italy is where the real the real Italians live because all these invasions I was talking about, the Arabs, the Greeks, and the Spanish, and the French, and the Austrians in the north, they just didn't get to the center. So basically, Tuscany, Umbria, Marche, and Lazio, especially northern Lazio, so the very heart of Italy, is where the real descendant of the old Etruscan and old Romans still live today. In fact, there's a tiny village here not far from Siena, not far from where I live. It's called Murlo. And well, universities from all over the world came about 20 years ago and started a research on them, on their DNA, because they never mixed with anyone else until very recent times, so they still have Etruscan DNA. They are finding genes that are as old as the sixth century before Christ, still there because they never moved. It's an isolated village and it's just here and it's so interesting. So real Italians are there. Obviously, I'm from Como and I'm a real Italian and people from Sicily are real Italians, but what I mean is that that is probably the average Like it's in the middle, you know what I mean? And it's probably the real experience. Just before we move on, could you tell us what are the regions that would be considered central Italy? It's Tuscany, Umbria, Marche, Lazio, Abruzzo. Yeah, uh, I'm talking like this. Abruzzo, not very sure about it because then it depends. I'm, I'm not thinking geographically speaking, but Emilia Romagna is considered north, but for certain things, it could be center. Mm -hmm. It's sort of in between. And same thing for Abruzzo, it's considered center, but I would probably say it's south. Mm -hmm. So it's basically Tuscany, which is huge, by the way. It's not just the iconic hills and cypress trees. It's a huge region with a long coast and even mountains. Uh, Umbria, Marche, and Lazio. Every single area is so different. And especially for us, I mean, Italians, we are used to it. You show me one house, just one house with a little bit of a landscape behind that. And I'll tell you where the region where that house is, or even the area, because maybe the stone is a little bit different or the shape of the roof or the tree in the garden. So it's really so different and so unique at the same time, because it's all quintessentially Italian. When you see a picture, it's like, oh yeah, that's definitely Italy. But then every single region is slightly different. And each area and same thing for the accent and the food 
and even people will face it. So my point is just do some research. Don't think of Italy as a unit because it's not. Just look for province italiane. Province, that's the provinces. Mm -hmm. Just Google it. You will see there are so many and maybe just explore the area and have a look. And maybe you don't even know that, but in Italian, there are some regions that have a special laws, uh, special rules for them. They're called Regioni a Statuto Speciale. And one of them is Trentino, Alto Adige in the north. And another one is Val d'Aosta. We have Sardinia. But anyway, let's talk about Trentino. There's an area in Trentino near Bolzano where they speak two languages, German and Italian. And they actually speak German better than Italian. <laughs> All the signs are in German. Uh, you go into a shop in, and that's in Alto Adige, so one part of Trentino. And the first language they speak is German. Then if you don't, they'll try and speak some Italian to you. In Val d'Aosta, in the northern part, but east, like, um, sorry, west. <laughs> My geographical points are different in English and Italian. West, all the way west, up north. That's Val d'Aosta. And they speak French. A French dialect, but French as their first language. So there are even parts of Italy where Italian is not spoken at all. And it's like being in Austria or in France. My number one tip, do not rush into it. Take your time, explore and do it with your future life in mind, not just the holiday moment or the dream. We have technology now, even Google and Google Maps. Don't just say something like, oh, look at this property. It's only 20 miles from, I don't know, Rome, Naples, whatever. Just go on Google Maps and street view that road. Because if you find out it's very narrow and winding, it could take you two hours to get there. So you're not close at all. Just really... Explore. Think of what you might like the best. We talked about geography, the weather, and sort of art and architecture and culture and food. Just think of what you like the best and then just pop anywhere on Google Maps and just have a look at the area. Zoom in. Look at the houses, not just the very center of it, just street view, random places to get a feeling of the place. Because Lake Como, I mean, it's amazing. Uh, but I had to flee from there because as soon as you move from the lakefront view, it was just traffic, 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 something I didn't like. Of course, you have a lot of cafes and restaurants and fashion shows. So if you like those things, then it's perfect. But you really have to just don't stop at the postcard pictures, you know, of a place, but just explore the area and Google Maps and Street View really help you with that. Well, thank you, Vera. And we look forward to being back here with you next week for another segment of La Vera Italia. Grazie, a presto. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Uh, well, thank you, Vera. That was another wonderful segment. Thank you. We look forward to your special La Vera Italia segment every week. And we're looking forward to hearing the rest of the items on that list of how to decide where you should 
buy property, where you should live in Italy, which is exactly what I'm currently going through here. In future episodes, I'm going to be sharing some house hunting with you and, and, and more than just house hunting, region hunting and city hunting because you might fall in love with a region, but you may not fall in love with a city or you might not fall in love with a, you know, an area within that region. So anyway, I'm going to be doing all of that. And so that those tips, and I know many of you are doing the same. So those tips today from Vera were very, very helpful. So thank you, Vera. Of course, don't forget you can visit Vera's website for her wonderful one-on-one language coaching. If you need to learn Italian, she's the most wonderful Italian coach. She is my Italian language coach, and I'm so thrilled that I have the opportunity to learn Italian from someone who speaks five languages and is a native Italian speaker, but also an incredibly gifted English speaker. She's the best. Don't forget, you can visit kikelanguage.com. You also can get the links to Vera's website at my website, imovingtoitaly.com. Thanks again, Vera, and we look forward to your segment, your continuation of today's segment next week. All right, well, that brings us to our surrounding sounds for this week's episode. But before we get into those, I want to quickly thank our sponsors for today's show. Babbel Language and ExpressVPN. I have used every imaginable language learning program from Rosetta Stone to Duolingo to Pemsler, and I have found that the absolute best is Babbel language. Now, Babbel language, I have recently discovered, I'm always learning something new about Babbel language. One of the things I just learned was that there are audio lessons. So if you're out for a walk and you can't look at your phone, there are full-on lessons that are absolutely incredible. And it's just all audio. So you get to listen and it's broken down. It's so, so good. I I listened to one of their audio lessons the other day while I was cooking. I could not believe how helpful it was. I'm gonna, in the future, I'm gonna share a little segment so you can hear what those sound like. So anyway, thank you to Babbel Language for being one of our wonderful sponsors. And you can get 50% off of a lifetime membership. And a lifetime membership means you never have to pay for a language app ever again in your life. And you have access to all of the, I think there are 15 languages that Babbel Language offers. And they're always adding new languages, but they have 15 languages, including languages like Mandarin or French, of course, Italian, German, you know, all of these wonderful languages that we all would love to be able to speak. Well, if you sign up for Babbel Language and you get their lifetime membership for the rest of your life, you're able to learn as many languages as you want. And that's a really incredible deal. So I signed up for their lifetime program and I love it. There's going to come a day when I'm actually going to be fluent and I'm going to feel really comfortable with Italian and then I'm going to want to move on to a new language like French. So Babel language will be waiting for me when I'm ready to pick up a new language. That takes us to our surrounding sounds. So our surrounding sounds for today are a collection of some travel sounds as I was returning to Italy. I think there's a sound of landing in Milan. And then I also have a sound from today when I was out getting 
water. I had to refill all my water bottles. Downtown, there's this wonderful place where you can refill your water bottles with either still or sparkling water. Of course, I love sparkling water. I had to go inside this, this cafe and refill the amount of, of money that I have on this water card. And I think you can put a maximum of like five euros on this card. And, and that five euros lasts you for like a whole month at least of water. And so anyway, I had to go into this little local bar and put coins in this machine and it basically refill the balance on my water card. That was the first time I'd ever done that because normally Alessandro does that. And so anyway, you can hear me putting the coins in the machine. And then finally, I have the sound of the chaos of all of the Moroccans who were blocking the streets and throwing firecrackers and and cheering and celebrating. Anyway, I don't have the sound, unfortunately, of me telling that that Italian woman, you know, what a what a disaster this is, casino, and her saying non ho parole. But anyway, you can imagine that. So. Those are the sounds for today's episode. I've got kind of a nice collection of sounds for you, so enjoy those sounds, and I'll be back afterwards to say goodbye. Welcome to JFK, where the local time is 1.58 p.m. Please remain seated with your seatbelt securely fastened until the seatbelt side has been turned off. Keep the aisle clear of all carry-on items. Please use caution when opening overhead bins as contents may have shifted. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning and welcome to Milan. Local time is 9.45 a.m. Please remain seated with your seatbelts fastened or parked at the gate and fasten your seatbelt sign to switch off. We do ask that you keep all aisles clear of all credit and use caution when opening up the overhead bins. Items may shift during landing and can easily fall out. Signore e signore, buongiorno e benvenuti a Milano, dove sono le 10 meno un quarto della mattina. Vi preghiamo di rimanere seduti con la cintura di sicurezza lanciata fino a quando il segnale non verrà spento e di liberare il corridoio da effettuare il bagaglio a mano. Vi preghiamo inoltre di verificare che nella tasca di posteriore il vostro sedile non abbiate lasciato telefonine e effetti personali.
you enjoyed those sounds from this week's episode thanks so much for coming back and sharing this time with me i am so thrilled i feel like i've come home and i've come home and i get to share that homecoming with you and it's just it feels so good to be back i wasn't sure how it was going to feel to come back to italy by myself but it doesn't feel like i'm by myself because i'm here with you it feels like And I am sharing this adventure with you. We are coming up on two years. I can't believe it, but two years since I moved to Italy. It's just absolutely incredible. I can hardly believe it's already been two years. But anyway, I'm looking forward to continuing to share this adventure with you. And it's going to be a whole new flavor of adventure because I'm going to be, I'm here by myself. And I'm going to experience things in a very different way than when I'm experiencing them when I'm experiencing them with Alessandro. So I'll be sharing it with you. I want to thank all of you who have recently left reviews on the podcast. I've recently had such lovely reviews, and if you've left reviews and and left a five star review on Apple or Spotify, thank you so much. I read those reviews. And they warm my heart. <laughs> if you've been listening to this podcast for the last two years and you haven't yet left a review for the show, five-star review, hopefully, please take a moment to do that. I really, really would appreciate that. Again, that's if you're listening, especially on Apple or on Spotify. Those are the two major platforms. But if your platform, whatever you're listening on, if you happen to be listening on Audible or some other platform, and it allows you to leave a review, by all means, leave a review there too. So 
Anyway, thanks again so much for being here and sharing this time with me each week. I just absolutely am so grateful for you. Just by listening, you help the podcast. So thank you. Well, wherever you are listening to the sound of my voice this week, I hope you are healthy and well, and I look forward to being back here with you next week for another episode. So until then, take care. God bless. Ciao, ciao, ciao.